Hello everyone. My name is Kara Welke. I'm the creator of the Next Level Occupational Therapy Platform. We are a community of healthcare professionals on a mission to help as many other healthcare professionals either start their own business or level up in their current business. There's very limited information out there to support healthcare professionals in starting their own business. And this is where the Next Level Occupational Therapy Platform helps others in starting their own business or leveling up. So please be sure you check out our Next Level Occupational Therapy Facebook page. It is open to all healthcare professionals. And I wanted to mention that this podcast is being sponsored by our Therapy Business Builder program, which helps therapy or helps those that want to start and run their own business. So there'll be information below for you to check out as well. So the whole goal of this podcast is to interview other healthcare professionals that have already started their business and are successful in their business. And they will help share their knowledge and expertise to help guide you in the process. So today it is my pleasure to welcome Joanne Keller. She is an occupational therapist and certified hand therapist a business owner, a mentor, and a coach for other therapists. She owns Hands for Living, a traditional hand therapy clinic in Lidwood, Washington. And as I mentioned, she's also a coach for other therapists. She is originally from Minnesota and has worked in several other states and a variety of practice areas. She has served in many advocacy and leadership roles and has been recognized for her work in state and national levels. I am so excited for you to all hear, hear her journey to becoming an amazing OT entrepreneur. Joanne, thank you for jumping on and visiting with us today. Can you start to tell us about your current business and everything that you do? You are so welcome and thank you for the opportunity. I'm glad it's been quite a journey, <laughs> and I'm happy to share that journey with other people. Um, my current clinic, um, I have two businesses, so I wear two hats or many hats, as all business owners do. Um, the one is a traditional hand therapy clinic. Um, in addition, we also provide telehealth services through that clinic, um, and that is local here in Washington State, where I live. In the second one is the coaching business, and I work with uh, therapists in, in Washington as well as in other states um, to uh, start and open practices to get into hand therapy or to change practice areas. I've worked in a variety of practice areas, so I'm familiar with how difficult it is to move from one to the other or to break into hand therapy if you um, are looking for a way to gain experience. Awesome. That's fantastic. How many um, people do you have working for you in your, in your business? Um, I always have to kind of stop and count. Uh, there are seven therapists and two office staff in our regular clinic. So it's a small, small, smallish clinic, single location. Um, there are you know, clinics that are of all different sizes. I, I, I say it's small, but we used to be two therapists and one office manager. And so it has definitely changed and grown. So um, 
are they all like what kind of um, therapist do you have the um, uh, five of us are certified ham therapists and okay. then we have one new graduate that joined us in August and and also an OT assistant okay fabulous the clinic and, is about nine, about nine years old, so it has evolved into that. Right. Wow. Um, how long have you been doing telehealth? Uh, we just started with that. Okay. Everything set up. I have done some video consultations for people that I've worked with before. I joke that I was a pioneer in telehealth because I, I remember in the late 90s consulting with somebody on an island in the Pacific somewhere about their uh, flexor tendon injury that they had no access to local care. <laughs> and so by phone and by email, we traded information and I tried to help guide them through. But it's come a long way in our ability to help people from other locations. Yeah, that's amazing. So where do you all provide telehealth or teletherapy to? What all areas? Um, if we're doing actual therapy services, people have a medical case, um, then it is limited to Washington State. I have held licenses in other states and could reactivate those, but right now we're just focusing on Washington State. Uh, for general information, ge general um, activity guidance, functional information, um, things like that, uh, ergonomics, um, other things like that, it can be anywhere. So okay. information. And often people are just looking for, um, what do I have? Is this something serious? Or do I need to get help? Or should I just wait? Or they don't really know what their next step is. So they're just trying to figure out if this is something serious enough that I actually need to make the time to go seek help or if I should just stop doing what I'm doing that causes it. And sometimes just general direction is one of the most useful things we can provide. That's awesome. So with the, if someone like say in North Dakota um, wants to do like an initial consult, how would that work? If just general, not, you know, true skilled therapy. Um, we have a website, handsforlivingonline.com, and through that website, you can schedule a free phone call, and so I would talk to people and screen, try to screen what their needs are, figure out what they actually are looking for help with, and then can set up a, all of the information is online, and they can schedule their appointment and, and the consult if they want to go forward. Okay, awesome. And um, like how much would they have to pay online or approximately? Um, I think it's listed right now at $99. Okay. And is that per session then? Per session and there would be package pricing. Okay, okay. That's awesome. Um, with your hand therapy clinic where people come in, I'm assuming you um, are working with insurances? Yes. We do. Okay. We do insurance, and um, some people end up paying cash if they either don't have insurance or, um, you know, they often have a high deductible. And people are much, much more used to paying for their sessions as they go now. Once you have a high deductible, you people are more familiar with the concept of paying for care than they have right. in the past. Right. Okay. Because yeah, I know you know some people talk about how they only want to be cash based or. They don't want to deal with insurance, but in some sort of therapy clinics, I mean, you really almost have to take insurance. I mean, what are your thoughts on that? 
Um, it's an attractive concept to do uh, a cash-based practice. Um, mo most of our patients are currently referred from other medical providers. So we do see a lot of people with acute injuries, uh, tendon injuries, fractures, uh, some post-op and people trying to avoid surgery. Um, but in those cases, it, in their mind, it's a medical problem and their health insurance should pay for it. And I would probably do the same thing if I could get adequate care with my, with my health insurance, I'd be inclined to at least try that. I would also be willing to pay if I needed services that I couldn't get through my insurance. So I do think there is a place for both. I think people have done terrifically well with cash-based practices um, in some situations or in some specific market niches. Right, yeah. Okay, awesome. So let's jump back in time. And can you tell us about when you first started thinking about owning your own business or starting your own business? Yes, I was uh, thinking about that the other day. Um, and I kind of have two points in time because I um, have the two businesses. So I thought, when, when did this sort of come up? The first one is very clear. Actually, I have a booth a very clear point in time with the start. Um, originally, or my, my, my previous job, my day job, was uh, I worked as a director of therapy for a large hand surgery and therapy group in the North Seattle area for almost seven years before I hung out a shingle. Uh, the business was struggling for a variety of reasons, um, and eventually I concluded that it was probably unlikely to survive too, too much longer. Um, but there was one day that really gave me a knock upside the head and made me realize my life was calling. <laughs> Out of the blue, they asked me to lay off a terrific young therapist that had just, we had spent two years training her and she had done nothing but give her heart and soul to her patients and to the clinic. And it was a complete shock to me and to her um, and I knew in that moment that I was 100% done with that job. <laughs> I had right. advised, them, like, advised them against it. It wasn't a good idea for me as considering the needs of um, our department. And they wanted to proceed anyway. And I just thought, they said, I said, well, what happens if somebody else leaves? The business was somewhat unstable. And they said, that's okay. You'll find another one. <laughs> And oh my I goodness. Thought, I thought, no, we have somebody good. Why would we do that? So I knew right. I was done, but I wasn't sure what to do next. <laughs> so I made a list, um, a long list of options, everything I could think of for what I could possibly do next. I began to explore and consider and really think about each one and started crossing them off for various reasons. Eventually, I crossed off all but two. I was left with opening a private practice or getting a graduate degree. <laughs> I thought, hmm, what am I to do with that? So like any good Midwesterner, I decided to do both. <laughs> <laughs> so I started a tiny hand therapy clinic, Hands for Living, which provided a place for me and one key therapist friend to provide really good care for hand therapy patients. And I earned a clinical doctorate in OT with an emphasis on administration and management, hoping that would kind of help me develop and think about the clinic in a different way. The first five years were really good. 
Um, I had some flexibility and control that I didn't have elsewhere. We never had to have a staff meeting because it was just two of us. I'd turn around and say, hey, what do you think? What if we, what if we did this? <laughs> and she'd say, say, yeah, that's a great idea. Or no, let's not. <laughs> <laughs> we both enjoyed being really tidy and organized. We had good tools. We could always find them. It was wonderful. And the clinic provided enough income to be a, um, as a second income to the household. And I was quite satisfied with the situation. Um, then life happened. <laughs> I went through a divorce, which is a um, curveball that I wouldn't wish on anyone. <laughs> the clinic was no longer a second income. It was my only income. And I had to get glasses and adjust my vision. <laughs> I was forced to look really hard at where I was, where I wanted to be in the future. Um, the vision that we had as a couple was completely shattered and I needed a new one, either as a single woman or as a partner in a new and theoretical future relationship. <laughs> um, so with, through that experience, um, I decided that it was time to grow, um, to grow me, grow the clinic, <laughs> and look for ways to help people in a different way. It's really been an incredibly rich time of learning and growing um, through all of the soul searching, the visions that I sorted through, um, possible future paths. Um, the, the fire really came to make my work as much to help therapists as well as to help patients. I went through a year-long health and nutrition coaching program. Um, I was interested in challenging my own thoughts on and beliefs on health and nutrition. Um, as a result of that program, I offered to help several therapists. I kept thinking as I went through the program, you know, I really was more interested in helping my therapist friends and colleagues than I was in with, with therapy stuff uh, than I was in helping the general public with health and nutrition. Um, as a result of that program, I offered to several therapists to coach them if they were willing to be my crash test dummies <laughs> to see if I actually had anything to offer or if it was helpful to them at all. I wasn't really sure. Um, I loved it. <laughs> and the best part was they did too. Um, the world gained two new private, um, private practices and a new CHT. Um, partially as a result of my efforts and uh, my willingness to try something new. So I, I continued to help people privately for several years in different situations and then have finally offered my services to uh, more publicly this fall. Um, the response has been amazing. <laughs> I love the work. I am chock full of ideas that I really need and want to share. Um, and I sincerely believe that people like you and other experienced leaders in the field really have a responsibility to um, help and to inspire others. So it's really been quite the ride. The two different businesses um, had two different sort of change points that, that really tipped the balance to make me willing to take the risk and, and try something different. Yeah, wow, that's an amazing story. Can we hop back 
a little bit to when you were at that clinic and you were asked to lay off that other therapist. So how long did you stay working there after that? Uh, that happened on January 7th. <laughs> I distinctly remember the day. Um, I had a vacation scheduled in March, so I did not want to um, turn in my notice, and I really didn't know what I was going to do next, so I thought, I'm going to wait until that vacation, make some decisions, um, try to figure out what I'm going to do next um, before I say anything. So although I knew I was 100% done, I had to you know, figure out what to do next. Um, so I gave my notice as soon as I got back from the vacation, but I had to work 90 days. I had an agreement to give a 90 day notice period. It was oh my goodness. 90 days of my life. <laughs> wow. And, um, so I stayed there until May. Um, but it really worked out well because I was able to sort of, um, put a lot of pieces in place for the place for the next steps. I had, um, by that point I had already started the graduate program. I went straight into it and um, had really started doing a lot of thinking and um, planning for, for a clinic. Um, and I thought, well, I, I, I hope I can get some patients. <laughs> right. um, but it gave me time to sort of adjust to the idea of being a practice owner as, in, as opposed to an employee. Right, yeah, you need that time. Um, so did you have to, I'm assuming you had to end up laying off that one employee that you didn't want to? Yes, they wanted her gone by the afternoon. I had oh. zero warning and zero anything. <laughs> that had to have been a traumatic experience for both of you. It was. Um, uh, in the end, you know, things like that can really be transitional moments, seriously, mm -hmm. that make you realize your life is calling. Um, right. She ended up moving back to the state that she was from. And she met somebody, got married. Her life took a totally different direction as well. And so we still share sort of a special bond from a traumatic experience. And right. And that's true. I mean, these things that happen in life can actually be, you know, jumping boards for something new. I know in our um, therapy business builder program, a lot of the people in our program are going through major life changes um, and being impacted from either losing their job, being cut in their job, uh, or cut hours in their job, or, you know, just not being able to do what they want in their job. And they've just decided we need to make a change. And so those things that have happened have given them that motivation and encouragement to move on and try something else. So that's awesome. So I have another question. You know, oh, it, really seems, it really seems like sometimes like the worst possible thing that can happen. Um, but I would say for both of us, as well as several of the other people that we worked with, that transition of that clinic eventually folding, um, there's a special bond between all of us that went through it. And all of us ended up in really great places. It really did sprout and push us on. You know, sometimes in life, you don't, want to make changes unless you're in pain and right right pain spurs new growth yeah no very good point so my next question is what did you think of um or how did it help you or did it help you when you got your graduate degree would you do that over again um 100 <laughs> percent 
Um, I had, um, I'm old, so I have a um, bachelor, I had a bachelor's degree in OT, was my entry level degree. It had been, you know, um, 15, 17 years, something like that, since I had been in OT school. And it was fun to go back and revisit some of the occupational therapy concepts, framework, um, basic ideas um, with the benefit of experience. I think when I was in school, I was 21 um, and I just didn't even have enough life experience to really think about occupation and what it means to be, um, to have your physical abilities taken away from you or um, how an injury integrates with your life. I talk to people all the time at our clinic, it's never just a hand injury. If somebody has a hand injury, it, it really affects absolutely every area of their life. It affects your ability to work, therefore your finances, you have to ask for help for people around you. Um, and to go back and really think about that in the context of the graduate degree was helpful. Um, it also gave me a much better appreciation for research, a much stronger ability to critically read um, the research that is available and to realize um, just how much we do is art and science. Um, and both are important. So it, I right. really enjoyed the experience. Did you um, have to do like a capstone or a research project or develop something? I did. Um, the program that I did was very focused on making the capstone project related to your work in daily life. They wanted it related to your real life. And I said, well, I'm in this administration and management track um, and I'm starting a clinic. Um, and they said, well, what if you did your business plan as your capstone project? And it was just a fantastic integration, both the ability to um, the ability to have feedback on my plans, as well as to have deadlines and accountability to actually write things down, to make the spreadsheet complete, some of my forecasts and things, to make them fully complete and really ask myself where I expected and hoped the business to go. I made two scenarios. Um, one, uh, our rule was that the clinic couldn't come out of the grocery budget. So the, the basic thing was what's my minimum, minimally acceptable scenario where at least it's paying for itself. <laughs> and then what would be an ideal scenario where I earned enough that it would be actually worth the amount of work and effort. Awesome. Um, so yeah. having feedback was beautiful. I did a much more complete business plan than I would have done on my own. Right, right. Well, that's awesome that it worked out good God, those first couple of years. <laughs> How long did it take you to go through your program? I believe it was just over a year. Okay. Okay. So I, so I uh, served as the state association president, opened a clinic and did a graduate degree all at once. <laughs> oh my goodness. I don't know how you did that. Oh, I went back and um, got my O2D and yeah, it was a lot of work and yep. a lot of time and doing that while doing everything else. It yep. was tough. So, they, were all, they were all fluid. None of yeah. them is like sitting in a chair or being in an office from eight to five and then trying to do my graduate work in the evening. The startup of a clinic is so amorphous and, um, you know, you, you're, you're kind of always working. Those first two years really are a 
full, you know, fully um, all consuming. <laughs> right, right. And I think it's so important that students do their capstone, their research on something that they want to do. Um, I was just talking with an OT student um, this morning and giving her some ideas, but, you know, don't just do something randomly. Do something that you can actually put into action. It makes it all worthwhile at the end. So... Fantastic. Well, I love it. Can you share with us, um, because there's many people that are on the verge of wanting to start a business, but don't know if they want to, or don't know what to do, or there's people that haven't even ever thought of starting a business. Um, what kind of tips would you have that for someone that is just at that starting point of having an idea? Um, at the starting point of having an the idea, um, it's really an identity shift, right? You start to think about yourself as a different way and it feels completely foreign. So you have to, um, really think about, um, your identity as a therapist, how you've worked before and recognize that there is a process of letting go, um, that you, are developing and creating a new identity and a new um, place in your life for something that you haven't done before. That's uncomfortable. It's scary. You, um, it is absolutely 100% normal to think, who am I to do this? Um, maybe all those other people are special and smart or have training or education that I don't. And, and they don't, I, you know, Practice owners are not necessarily special snowflakes. <laughs> they, everybody can, can, can do some type of business. So I would say really consider um, what type of business you want and how that integrates with your life. Different types of businesses will suit different people and different lifestyles. Um, your skills and background will... Um, guide you to how you can best help people. Um, it is fairly all-consuming, so to, you know, you do want it to be at a point in your life, although I've certainly known people that have started businesses while they're having babies and getting graduate degrees and um, having Ill, Ill family members. I mean, it can be done. There's never a perfect time. There really is never a perfect time to start. If you want to do it, just start. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Just do it. <laughs> it it's, you, you can sit in indecision and try to logic your way around the decision pretty much for your entire lifetime. And sometimes you just have to decide and say, this is what I'm doing. And you will find, and, and once you convince yourself that that is a decision that you um, have made, you will take the actions to make it real. Right. Yeah. I see so many people sit in that indecision mode for so long because they're scared they don't know what if they really want to do it or if they're gonna they just let their fears overcome them and don't jump past that uh-huh you um it's amazing how ill or crazy you can make yourself feel trying to make that decision and yep. it truly as as simple as this is what i'm doing and, and things will fall into place. It is amazing. I, um, 
you can stop me if you had another question ready, but I have a funny story about that is I, um, oh, one week after I made the decision, so I, I said, this is what I'm doing. I don't know if I can, I don't know if I, it's a good idea or a bad idea, I'm just doing it. And um, one week later, somebody called me and said, hey, um, do you know anybody that would want to buy some used hand therapy equipment? Oh, wow. <laughs> and, you know, I was so startled, I could hardly even talk. And I said, you know, um, I can't talk about this right now. I will have to call you later. But it was absolutely astonishing. That had never happened before. It has never happened since. But at the moment when I needed confirmation as well as tools, <laughs> they both came. I thought, this is the universe saying, you're doing the right thing. And so I bought my startup kit from a clinic that had decided not to provide hand therapy services, a PT clinic that had decided not to do hand therapy services um, for a few thousand dollars. They just wanted it gone. <laughs> wow. That's amazing. Talk about stars aligning there. Seriously. <laughs> That's awesome. So that therapist is still a friend of mine and has gone on to do cool things too. And, you know, people like that end up being, she didn't know. She was just trying to help the clinic out that she had been working at and help right. them out where to put this stuff and get it out of their way. <laughs> yeah. That's and awesome. I said, I literally decided a week ago to try this, to hang out. A show. Yeah. So I parked it in my house for several months until I was ready. <laughs> but every time I looked at it, I thought, yeah, I'm doing the right thing. Yeah. That's awesome. What other tips do you have for people? Um, jump is that first one. <laughs> you just decide and you do it and make it happen. If you, if you think that it is something you want to do. Um, you really do um, have to set some boundaries around your personal time and your work. Um, it is very easy because it is so all-consuming. I mean, I wake up in the middle of the night thinking about um, how to do things or what, you know, what, what things I needed and you end up just turning, turning, turning on different things. But you also need time off um, and time away from those decisions and just set it all down, forget about it. And sometimes the most beautiful ideas come to you when you are not working. <laughs> the, um, the idea for the name of our clinic came to me while I was out on a walk. Um, I just went on a walk with the dog in the morning and was not thinking about work, deliberately trying to not think about work. I was thinking about home. I was thinking about another company that had helped us with some trees. And I thought the name of their company was cool. And I thought, oh, it's, you know, it just, one thing led to another. It had nothing to do with hand therapy and it, and it clicked. <laughs> so take time off. Um, there was definitely a point two years into the clinic that I just decided, you know what, I have to just go home at the end of the night and leave the office. And um, even if the work's not done, because let's be honest, it's kind of never done if you're an entrepreneur. <laughs> yes, I'm realizing that. I'm like, I just want to get caught up. <laughs> <laughs> yep, never going to happen. One thing leads to another, another idea, um, something interesting to make it better, but it's, it's really fun when you were talking about ideas coming to you, I swear a lot of my ideas come to me like when I'm laying down in bed and then I'm like, oh, I need to get up and write this down or I need to remember this or, I yeah. I notebook there for that exact reason. Yeah, I need and to do that because I used yeah. to have a phone next to me, but um, 
I took Greg Todd's advice and I no longer have my phone anywhere in the bedroom. Um, and so, yeah, that's a good idea. I'm going to put a notebook next to me yeah. and so I can jot those down. Great idea. And sometimes first thing in the morning, things just came to me. Right, um, right. Because you, you've thought about it the night before, something clicks and then it, sometimes it's just there fresh in the morning. Yeah. Um, I'd also say um, ask for help. Uh, but make your own decisions. So there's sort of twin thoughts there. People are incredibly willing to share and to help others, especially if you've been down this road before. Um, several practice owners sat down with me and told me it was possible and not crazy what I was considering. Um, many people gave me help and advice along the way. Um, I would also caution that not everything applies. <laughs> Be very deliberate in choosing who you're asking for help. Um, ask people who are doing what you want to do. Um, not necessarily your family and friends. Um, someone like you, somebody who's in your industry, who is, knows the ins and outs, ins and outs of how things work is much more likely to give you effective advice than your, um, your yoga instructor. <laughs> That said, I also have um, friends who are in unrelated businesses, but they're business owners too. Um, and they, you know, the, the, the things we share in common are more than you think, especially if they're in service industries as well. Right, yeah. No one will ever care as much about your business as you do, um, but you can ask for help to guide it. Yeah, I think help is so important. I tried to struggle along doing everything by myself and I tried to you know do everything without paying for anything and I yeah I just learned that that was not the most effective way to get it done and didn't lead to the best outcomes so there's so many people that are out there that can help you um, really get it up and going and and functioning so much better faster increases your speed and effectiveness for yeah instance. exactly Bookkeeping. Your time is valuable. Yep. Bookkeeping. I thought, oh, I can do my own bookkeeping. I can use, I've used Quicken before. I'm sure I can learn how to use QuickBooks. And, um, and that was good to dig into it and try to learn how to use it. And, um, you know, I can do basic things in there. But I realized very quickly that that is not nearly as effective for the growth of my practice as to learn how to market or how to talk to people or how to reach out or how to serve my patients better or improve our systems for the patients, the things that I have to do that are specific to the clinic. And that was one piece that was very easy to peel off and give to somebody who did it faster and better than I did. I actually just made that tradition or transition too. I'm like, it's time. <laughs> <There's> <laughs> and I'm so there's, excited. Yeah, there's no, um, there's no shortage of things that need to be done. So you have to kind of guide your energy to um, the things that only you can do. Right. Fabulous. <clears throat> so I think you asked for five. <laughs> yeah. How many have we done? I've lost track. Um, I'm calling it two. I have a couple more. <laughs> okay. Okay. <laughs> one I would, um, another one that um, actually goes in uh, the category of lessons from my dad. Um, my dad was also an entrepreneur and a business owner for as long as I could remember, but was, would be to avoid partnerships. Um, you, you work for me or I work for you. 
Um, but at the end of the day, someone has to be the ultimate decision maker and carry the weight of the responsibility for the risks or decisions, the consequences of the decisions that you make. Um, and it's, it's hard to impossible to um, do that effectively in a business. I do know that some partnerships work. I'm kind of amazed and um, impressed with people that can make it work, but I've also often seen, I think that was part of the root of the failure of the business that I was in before I started my own was a disagreements about um, how to run the business, do the business and share profit or share expenses or share risk. Um, so I have generally, um, I'm happy to work for people. Um, I'm happy to have people work for me, but they have not um, done it particularly like a 50-50 partnership. That's interesting you say that. Um, just yesterday in one of our, yesterday or two days ago, in one of our meetings, um, Sue Doyle, she's an occupational therapist and a business owner. And I can't remember exactly, I know I wrote it down here, what she said, but it was something like, the only ship that doesn't sail is partnerships. Um, and it wasn't exactly that. It was much better than that, but I can't remember the exact, exact thing she said, but, um, yeah, I, I tend to agree with that route as well. I'm like, do it yourself. So yeah. hire people to work for you. So yeah. with you and, and there, you know, I work for people as well and have worked for people and that is fine. Um, but the, the difficulty and the, amorphous and millions of decisions that have to be made about how to build or run or grow a business it's it's hard to share right yeah it is so another um another thought would be let your business tell you when you are when to hire if you're considering having employees um it's it's a hard decision and a big leap. I'm pretty sure, I actually I know for certain that my first employee worked for um, $10 an hour for 10 hours a week. It was all I could afford and still pay, make the other, you know, pay my other expenses. But I just needed an extra pair of hands to run to the store, grab this, do, you know, paint that, do, <laughs> copy this. It, you know, there's so many things to be done, but um, but you can't sort of, pay for help that you can't afford. The business needs to um, pay for the assistance that you need. Um, if you're not earning money dependably, you're probably not ready to have employees who depend on you. <clears throat> yeah, exactly. I, um, I have um, actually my niece um, that I have hired now to help with all of our next level stuff that is going on um and that it's been huge i mean it was just time that i needed someone and it's worked out perfect um to have her there to do that i also have independent contractors that work with me for my home therapy business um uh -huh. and at this time the independent contractor thing has actually really worked out um for me um, you know, maybe someday I'll have to shift to the employee route, but um, currently working out well. I love the idea of hiring nieces and nephews. I have 11 of them. <laughs> Great idea. I know. <clears throat> um, you know, a couple of them have expressed interest in what I do and have come to the clinic and I showed them how to make a splint and tried to get them interested in, in occupational therapy. 
Um, but I had not considered sort of finding a place for them because there are a lot of things that are online and tasks that as they approach college age and young adulthood that, that they probably could do for me. Well, yeah, and it's worked out well. And in fact, I mean, it's, I mean, she has another full-time job and um, she actually, um, her degree is in political science. Um, she was um, part of the campaign for the governor for South Dakota, she ran, um, gosh, I'm gonna blow it, but I think it was, she was in charge of fundraising. Um, I mean, she actually like had to organize the event when President Trump came to Sioux Falls, South Dakota. She had to put everything together and deal with like, um, you know, the secret servicemen and organize everything and, and, so it's not, you know, she hasn't worked in healthcare. Um, in fact, when she first went to school, she wanted, she thought she wanted to be nursing. And we're like, I don't know if you're going to want to do that. So, but she switched gears. Um, but I mean, she's been invaluable to me, you know, I mean, she's picked up everything that I need to do. So it's not like they even need to be into a therapy or healthcare related field that they can be benefit and help you out with your business. So it's yeah. organization of processes and logical sequence and um, taking care of details and stuff like that is all yeah um, transferable skills. So if somebody's good at those things, you know, our businesses are still businesses at the root and they need organization, communication, writing, sharing um, details, adding, you know, adding people into groups and just pieces that yep. need to be done exactly. that doesn't have to be a therapist necessarily. Yeah, it's huge. And in fact, now she's um, actually going to, you know, create her own business and then help other people that need this help. So um, that's so cool. <laughs> I know. So it works out because she loves doing it um, and yeah. creating all these different things. And it's, it's fun. Like I get messages. Okay. Do you what do you have for me to do now? Or, you know, so so that's been a great addition. Um, another thing talking about that is, I mean, I have my children do um, different <laughs> tasks, you know, like my one daughter does all my invoicing, um, you know, and then just basic stuff like shredding and things like that. Um, so, you know, I'm like, well, I need to teach them those skills now. They might as well work for me or help me out. So I've done that as well. That's cool. Yeah, there's, there's no shortage of things to be done in any way that you can involve somebody else where they're learning, they're helping you. Um, those are all wonderful um, shared experiences. Yeah, yeah. It, it's very creative. That's what I love about entrepreneurship. Yep, exactly. Awesome. Well, you've given lots of tips. I don't even know the numbers that that you shared, but everything's been great. <laughs> I, yeah. you know, if it can help even one person, um, it, help to speed somebody's path, make it easier, help them go faster, save them money. I've wasted lots <laughs> um, in way, you know, if I can do anything to help one person be able to move, move into the beautiful space um, more quickly or easily or with less pain, um, I'm happy to do it. Yeah, that's, that I mean that's huge because again I you know you pointed out you wasted money I mean me trying to be frugal trying to start my business on my own ended up costing me 
way more money in the long run if I would have mm -hmm. just invested in health and started out right. Um, it's just, it's just crazy. So it's, it's hard to see the, um, the missed opportunity of potential income that you're spending by not doing the things that are the most effective. Right. Exactly. That is, that is a loss as well. If you could be doing something that would produce income for your business, um, sure. It's, I mean, of course we all do it. We answer the phone, empty the trash and run to the store, but the more quickly you can ask for help with those things, the more quickly you can focus on the, the, the things that really matter. Right. Right. Yeah. That's awesome. Um, do you have, um, I know there's a lot of people out there that are interested in that journey for becoming a certified hand therapist. Do you have any tips for therapists that are maybe thinking about doing that or want to do that or? Yes, um, there's a very good resource um, that I can uh, share on my website. My website is joannekeller.com um, and it, it sort of outlines the path to becoming a hand therapist. And there are a lot of tips on there about how to look for mentorship opportunities, how to get education when you're not actually working in hand therapy. If you're thinking about making that transition, um, looking for mentorship, getting education, um, getting connected with people. Um, I have a group that, that I've organized for a long time that's you know over 200 hand therapists in the area. So people that come and say, I wanna be a hand therapist. I'm like, get onto this group. People post job ads, continuing education activities going to those things networking is not dead <laughs> um it is so important to meet people even if you're not yet into a job where you're treating hand therapy clients um, but i will put that resource also on there it's an, an infographic that lists a whole bunch of different ways that you're, it's from htcc the hand therapy certification commission the group that oversees the exam um, and it's a good tool um, for getting into hand therapy i love being a hand therapist i still love being seeing patients and um, I still treat patients two days in the clinic. And so I'm always excited when somebody says, I want to be a hand therapist. I'm like, it's a great, it's really a great field. Yeah. I've always thought that would be awesome um, to do, but yeah. So many ideas, for, a little time. <laughs> yeah. For everyone listening, um, I will share links um, so you can connect with Joanne. She also has um, a a blog post that you was it a blog post you did with the therapy in the box some of your recommendation or a business in a box some of your recommendations yeah it just listed i've been thinking about that writing those things down for like four years i just listed all the products and services that we use in my clinic um people often ask well what do you do about um, electronic medical records. Who do you use for your 401k provider? Who do you use for payroll? Um, it's absolutely worth paying for a payroll service. That's a place that you can easily make mistakes and they can be costly. Um, oh, thankfully, okay. I have personal experience on that one. But, um, you know, just things like that, that can, there's so many decisions and, you know, credit card processing, all these things that you have to figure out as you're starting your business. So I just made a, a list of all the things that we use and um, actually asked for feedback on a couple of them, hoping people have great solutions that'll help us. Um, and I'm happy, I can, um, there, that post is on my um, website as well, or I can. Okay, perfect. Yeah, I'll post all of that in the comment section so people can 
easily access that. Um, that'll be awesome. Do you help, um, do you have a mentoring or coaching program for students that want to become a certified hand therapist? I mean, I, I know you said you have resources. Yes, I do. Um, I have a group of very extremely experienced hand therapists that are also fantastic teachers. And I'm happy to connect people um, with them. Uh, and I'm happy also to talk to people on a free call if you want to just talk to me about what you need and kind of help you figure out what direction to go. I'm happy to do that for anybody as well. But I, I do have uh, several super amazing wonderful people that are um, excited about helping other therapists that's awesome how long like how long does it take to get all the requirements done before because then you have to take a test right yep how and long be, does that to be, take to be eligible to take the exam to be a certified hand therapist you have to work or be licensed as a pt or an ot for three years and have 4,000 hours of experience in hand therapy, which is basically working two years full-time in hand therapy. And you can accumulate that in different ways, um, but those are the requirements to be eligible for the exam. And is the exam really hard? It is. <laughs> <laughs> it's, um, it's generally, I, I believe, about a 50% pass rate. Um, oh, I know wow. lots of very, very good therapists who have taken it twice. Um, and you know maybe didn't pass the first time but passed the second time but it's also a clinical exam um, i'm actually on the board for htcc as well i volunteer um, as a board member and i'm when i when i took the exam i thought oh my gosh it's a bunch of people sitting around in a room just trying to trick me <laughs> and it's so not that at all <laughs> it is a practically based clinically relevant exam um, that is asking about clinical cases if you have a solid hand therapy caseload you will ask yourself the questions that you need um, to be ready for the exam you will study the things that you need to be ready for the exam and it's 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 really an um a good test. It is extremely valid. We survey all of the therapists in the country about what they do, the hand therapists, um, what we do in practice, and we make sure that the questions on the exam are related to current hand therapy practice. And so it is not meant to trick anybody. It is <laughs> just meant to identify the point between somebody who's almost ready to be a CHT and somebody who has crossed over that point and is, is a newly qualified CHD. We all, you know, our experience in learning is a spectrum from a novice clinician to an experienced clinician. And the test is just an ex a, a, a point in time, a milestone to show that you've crossed over some threshold, um, a valid threshold in your experience level. Do you um, have numbers like how many hand therapists are there? There are almost 7,000 worldwide. Okay. The bulk of the certified hand therapists are in uh, the United States, um, uh, and then a strong contingent in Canada and Australia, and then um, a number of people, and it, there's a fairly strong contingent in India as well, um, and then a smattering of other countries, people who are U.S.-based maybe are um, working in another country or um, other people that have come to the U.S. and trained and gone home or um, developed their, had their own experience in their own countries and then prepared for the CHT exam. 
Okay. And do you know about how many take the exam a year or? Uh, it's about uh, five to 600 people. Okay. Take the exam. okay. So the number of therapists keeps growing. Right. So it's been That's around awesome. since 1991. Um, okay. Huh. Awesome. Well, you have provided tons of great tips and resources um, and anyone listening, obviously you know that Joanne is a mentor and a coach to other people. Um, you know, if you are interested in hand therapy, definitely reach out to her if you're interested in starting your own business and orthopedics. Um, because I mean, you don't, it's not like you just treat hands. I mean, you treat, you know, you treat everything. Um, and so, you know, working with, a, with a physical therapist who's starting a clinic and a naturopath who's starting an online business. Um, there's lots of different types of people that I work with, but yeah. my primary focus is hand therapy. Those are, have been my people. Right. Right. <laughs> but, but I um, also have worked in a number of other practice areas and also served as the state association president. So I have lots of contact and, um, friends and experience with um, people that work in all different types of settings. Yeah, and that's huge. That's huge. So, well, thank you very, very much. And everyone on here, please go to the Next Level Occupational Therapy Facebook page. I mean, it's all free. Get valuable information on there. Um, we do have a Next Level Visionary Membership site where we have lots of monthly trainings. Um, mentor meetings, um, resource, free resources, things on there. Um, and that has really grown significantly um, over this the last amazing resource. <laughs> yeah. So lots of things out there, you guys, to help you. It's, um, you just need to connect with what's right for you and go for it. So thank you for joining. And jump in. You, <laughs> yes, just jump in. Exactly. <laughs> So thank you, Joanne, very much. And we will um, touch base and talk soon, I hope. Thank you very much. Thank you. Thank you for listening to the Next Level Occupational Therapy podcast. Be sure you check out the Next Level Occupational Therapy Facebook page to keep up to date on all the new happenings.